The month of February promises something for everyone as several major international contests and some pretty neat regional activities fill the calendar. We'll take a look at what's on the near horizon in this episode of Zone Zero. Radio is a pretty amazing hobby. It's socially distanced by design. But worldwide friendships and acquaintances sure make you feel like you're part of a real community. As a global pandemic surges, we're fortunate to have such a remarkable pastime that keeps us engaged and connected with one another. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Zone Zero. This is Bud, VA7ST, and this time out we focus on the month of February and a jam-packed calendar of radio contests. As I said in the intro, there's something for everyone this month. Whether you're a CW or a ready lover, uh, you prefer phone contests, or the newer digital modes like FT4. On the lineup, we have the BC QSO Party, February 6th and 7th, Mexico XE Ritty Contest, February 6th and 7th, the all-new European Union EUDX Contest, February 6th and 7th, that's a busy weekend. The following weekend, February 13th and 14th, we have the CQ Worldwide Weird Prefix Contest, teletype version. And the weekend after that, we have the ARRL International DXCW Contest. That's one of the big granddaddy contests. After that, February 26th through the 28th, we have the CQ160 Sideband Contest. And on that same weekend, February 27th and 28th, we have the FT4 DX Contest. So truly something for everyone, regardless of your preferred mode. Before we dive into the calendar for the month of February, I thought I'd recap the CQ 160 meter CW contest over the past weekend. Well, despite trying really hard for a few hours, I had very little joy on CQ 160. I put in just under four hours, mostly CQing rather than subjecting others to what must have been a pipsqueak signal, and I finished with only 80 contacts in 13 states and provinces for 4,700 points. That was running low power at just 100 watts. Uh, And that's the first time in a few years that I've run low power, as I didn't really want to bother with the amplifier for what I really intended to be a casual outing this time. Conditions weren't too good from this far western part of North America, especially without high power. The experimental loop-on-ground antenna for receiving, that helped out quite a bit on a few contacts that I just could not pull out of the noise using the inverted L transmit antenna. So, a low score, yes but I managed to get some very good experimenting done, which is one of the things I love contests for. Bottom line for that contest, there's always next year, and next time I'll be ready. I have some spring and summer inverted L improvements to make. A station a few hundred miles away from here in BC, uh, operated by Neil VA7 Delta X-Ray, and that was operated at the VE7 SCC Club Station in Coquitlam, BC. Uh, They ran high power into a dipole at 70 feet, and they managed 236 contacts in 39 states and provinces. And they also had three other countries in the mix for a much more presentable score than I had. Well done, Neil. So to kick off February, we have QSO parties in triplicate. The first contest is near and dear to my heart. It's the BC QSO party, 
Established about a decade ago, this event is the first weekend of February and has grown wildly in recent years. Everyone points towards British Columbia to work as many Victor Echo 7s or Victor Alpha stations as they can, collecting BC's electoral districts. Those are the equivalent of counties in the United States. Get on the air, seek out those BC stations. There's some really beautiful photographic certificates on the line in each of the competition classes in the modes and power categories in BC and outside BC. I should also note that on that same weekend of February 6th and 7th, you'll also find the Vermont QSO Party and the Minnesota QSO Party. If you missed the Barta Gritty Sprint in January, you may have a hankering for a teletype fix. Well, you're in luck. Mexico's annual XE International Ritty Contest also runs on the weekend of February 6th and 7th. It starts at 1200 UTC on February 6th and runs until 2359 UTC on February 7th. The organizers want everyone to note that the contest is now 36 hours in duration. That's reduced from the previous 48-hour marathon in previous years. If you haven't been active on Teletype, here's a great chance to fire up the gear and get on the air. It's one of those everyone-works-everyone contests, so there's plenty to work no matter where you are. The objective in this one is to collect Mexico's state and federal districts as well as DCC countries. They count once on each band that you work them on, so scores can rack up pretty nicely over the weekend. The exchange for non-Mexican stations is a signal report and a sequential serial number. The XE stations will send their state or their federal district. You get two points for contacts in your own country, three points for contacts within a different country, and four points for contacts with Mexican stations. I've always enjoyed the XE Ritty, though in the past four years, I've had to miss it because it's on the same weekend as our British Columbia QSO party. This year is no different. In fact, things are getting worse thanks to our next item. And that is the inaugural European Union DX Contest. The world can never have too many DX contests, in my opinion, and the world hasn't disappointed us. New on the annual calendar is the European Union DX Contest, or EUDX. It's set to run on the first week in February of the year, and the action runs from 1800 UTC through to 1800 UTC on February 7th. If you're doing the math, that is 24 hours of worldwide frenzy. There are categories for CW, phone, and mixed operations. I know which one I'll be in. I'm a sucker for CW, and given the choice, that's my preference every time out. Those familiar with the CQDX and the ARRL International Contest will recognize the setup for this new DX contest. There's one new feature that bears getting to know, however. European unions will be sending a signal report and their European Union region. That's a four-character code consisting of two letters and two numerals. For example, a station in Germany's Saxony region will be sending Delta Echo 1-3. You'll find a complete list of the EU regional codes on the EUDX rules page, and there's a link to that in the show notes for this episode of Zone Zero. Non-European stations will send a signal report and your ITU zone. So, you'll be looking to work as many stations as you can from anywhere, earning one point per contact with your own country, 10 points with EU countries, and 3 points with non-EU countries. You can work a station on each band for points. The multipliers are European regions and DXCC countries per band. And when it's all over, don't forget to send your logs in. The deadline is 7 days after the contest ends. Check the rules for details. 
Now, I'll have to do some time slicing between this new major DX contest and the BCQSO party because they overlap. It looks like I'll get on for the BCQP's first two hours, and then I'll switch to EUDX at 1800 UTC on Saturday for the duration. And then I'll return to the BCQSO party after the EUDX ends, and I'll put in a few hours handing out my electoral area on Sunday afternoon. Man, that Keurig is going to get a real workout. And just when you think it's all over, two of the year's biggest contests hit the stage, February 13th and 14th. That features the CQ WPX Ritty Contest. And the following weekend, February 20th and 21st, we have the ARRL International DX CW Contest. Anyone who wants to experience contesting at its pinnacle of activity will want to be on the air for both of those contests. I wouldn't miss either one of them. As usual, it's difficult to predict conditions two or three weeks into the future, but we can pick the dates and go back a month to see what the sunspots were doing. For January 13th, for example, we had zero sunspots, and that may be the case a month later uh, during the CQWPX Ritty weekend. Expect solar flux to be in the high 70s or the very low 80s. A week later, for ARRL DXCW, we might see a slight uptick in sunspots, giving us a little more solar flux, but I wouldn't hold out much hope for flux above 80 or 85 on that contest weekend. Still, all the bands up to 15 meters will be useful to us anywhere in the world, and some parts of North America will even see transatlantic openings on 15 meters, though for those of us on the West Coast, the openings will be weaker, and they'll be mostly to the Southeast, into South America and the Caribbean. Those multipliers will be well worth hunting down. If there's any life in 15 meters at all, we might see some limited spotlight openings from Western North America to Scandinavia. In the past, I've been pleasantly surprised by being called by OH, SM, and LA stations over the pole while I was calling CQ to Japan on 15 meters in the afternoon, when 15 meters is supposed to be entirely asleep towards Europe. We can only hold out hope. After the dust has settled in the wake of those two huge DX contests, we get to settle in for a weekend of phone operation on top band. The CQ 160 meter sideband contest runs February 26th through to 28th. Like its CW sibling in January, this one is sure to challenge smaller stations that are on city lots, but plenty of hams have figured out how to put out a great signal and hear through the noise on 160 meters, even on a small lot. For me, that's a continual work in progress, and I'm actively plotting and building equipment to improve my performance on 160 meters, both transmit and receive. I'm putting together new matching transformer boxes for my beverage antenna and a loop-on-the-ground antenna. The beverage is a single wire strung up about 5 feet off the ground, and it runs about 280 feet from west to east along my property line. The loop on ground is simply speaker wire laid out on the back lawn in a square shape, about 20 feet on a side. Both antennas are fed with 75-ohm RG6 coax that goes back to the shack. At the feed points, I use simple binocular core Type 73 ferrite matching transformers, aiming for about a 7 to 1 impedance ratio. After experimenting with various turn counts, the little transformer I've been using has settled on a 3 turns of 30 gauge magnet wire on the coax side and 8 turns on the antenna side to match 450 to 500 ohms to about 75 ohms on 160 meters. 
and these antennas are pretty flat all the way up to 40 meters. As I said, this is a work in progress. I have all the parts on hand now, and I'll be building and installing more permanent on-ground loops outside if the weather gives me a bit of a break. It's been below freezing with snow flurries for the past few weeks here, and there's no end in sight, so I'm waiting for better conditions to be playing with antennas outside. Closing out the month of February, we have one of the largest FT4 contests of the year. The FT4DX contest runs 24 hours from 1200 UTC February 27th to 1200 UTC February 28th. Power in this one is limited to 100 watts, so keep those signals clean, and the narrow band slots for FT4 should be able to handle everyone just fine. Multipliers are U.S. states, Canadian provinces, and DXCC entities, counted only once, not counted per band. There are two viable software packages for contesting with FT4. One of them is WSJTX, and the other is MSHV. I only use WSJTX here because it integrates so well with my logging software, which is N1MM Logger Plus. In recent months, I've seen comments following FT8 and FT4 contests from people who have experienced crashing of WSJTX. Now, I suspect people are running older versions of the software. At this station, I've been using the latest development release candidates on a Windows 10 machine, and I've had no issues at all with WSJTX in contest mode, and that's with or without M1MM Logger doing the backend rig control and the logging work. Be sure to check the latest versions of your software a few days before the contest and test it out as much as you can ahead of time. There's nothing more frustrating than discovering a fly in the ointment after the contest has started and the bands are full of juicy multipliers just begging to be worked. So, summing up, can there be too much of a good thing? February will help us determine that. Every weekend, almost full-time contest activity will provide plenty of diversion from the pandemic or the honey-do list that you might otherwise have waiting for you. I like the motto, all things in moderation. But does that really apply in February? I think most contesters would agree it doesn't. More appropriate for the times, fish when the fishing is good. And it's about to get really good. Be well, stay home, and get on the air. We're going to have a blast in February. Let's go get them. I'll see you out there.